back just one week after the last time you, you thought that you had gotten rid of us, but you can't. This is the Speed Metal Cycling co- uh, Podcast, uh, episode 124 for, I don't know, the beginning of April of 2016. I am Dan Crusher, your host with the most. I hate saying that, but I always, uh, anyway. You know what I was thinking? Actually, before I tell you what I was thinking, let me introduce my my host, my co-hosts. First is Mike from Gidget De Soto in New York City. Mike, how are you doing, sir? Great, better than Klaus. And second is Klaus, my dear brother from Alps and Andes. Klaus, how are you doing, sir? Dreaming of being like Mike. Dreaming of being like Mike. Most people, most people dream of something that cool. Um, what I was thinking, I totally forgot what I was going to say before I introduced you guys then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm sure that you guys, even though neither of you guys are big, like, party club-goer dudes, I'm sure that you guys know exactly what I mean when I say that. You know that DJ at the club that goes, all right, everybody, let's party! Yeah, 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 yeah! Come on, everybody, what's going on? You know that thing? You know that guy? The, the party's going on over here, yeah! With the horn and the whole thing. Is this a strip club? Or, I mean, what, I, I usually... I, I've never heard such a thing. Actually, I don't think I've ever been to a dance club of any kind. Really? Ever. Like, that Have guy, it's like, it, there's a way of talking that they do, like, all right, everybody, blah, 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 Mike, Mike from Gage and DeSoto is in the house. All right, in the house, everybody, come on, let me hear you scream. That whole thing? You sound like Pitbull. Well, there you go. That's where he got it from. <laughs> That's where Pitbull got it from. That's the whole like amping the crowd bullshit. Like it's just like it's the worst. It's the most annoying thing ever. But there's always that. Oh, it just happens so often in my life, and I just want to like go on stage and just grab that microphone and then beat the person repeatedly with it until there's blood on the microphone. This it, happens often in your life. Are you mm, going to dance clubs? Yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, not only dance clubs, but I mean like events and stuff like that, and like it happens a lot in like. Reggae events, oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. Don't even. Mike, are you? Does this happen a lot in your life? I said, yeah, like every twenty minutes. I opened the whole yeah. thing by saying, I'm sure you guys. I, I know that you guys aren't like big like club people or whatever, but it's always like, it's always so annoying. Let me hear you, girls. Come on, the beautiful ladies in the house. Come on, come on, the beautiful ladies in the house. Say yeah, all right. Come on, everybody. Uh, 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 uh. Uh. To let you know how out of it I am, when Mike said it happened every 20 minutes in his life, I was going to make a joke and say, oh, we forgot to tell everyone that Mike lives uh, in an apartment over the limelight. And then I realized that that's a dance club that closed in like 1989 <laughs> and that my reference is so dated that that's where Madonna used to party before she was famous. <laughs> so that's how... I don't know. That's how much I don't know about this stuff. Well, anyway, whatever. What I was thinking, though, is that what if we did the whole podcast with me in that persona, the persona of the annoying DJ at the club? I would resign. I would quit. I think that most people would probably quit, too. Mike would put in his two weeks. <laughs> his two weeks, which would mean, of course, that would be, this would be his last podcast because right. we record every, like, five months. Um, yeah. yeah. So, hey, and speaking of, we record every five months, though. Actually, this has nothing to do with how often we record, but it made me think about the fact that the last episode went on YouTube. Finally, finally, our last episode, episode one hundred and twenty-three. People, come on, everybody, come on, give me a call, come on, everybody. Eh, 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 eh. 
episode 123 when I actually like is right it sounds like it's like a strip club or something no, the strip, no, the, well the strip club guy is kind of like that but not really as like rambunctious he's like okay everybody we're gonna be- welcome the beautiful crystal up to the stage crystal up into the main stage and on the side stage let's get cassandra around a welcome all right thank you cassandra look at the beautiful cassandra and now if you want to take care of these ladies that's see it's a little bit more subdued <laughs> Come on, guys. You know, you know what the problem is. I don't is? know what's going on right now. Thank you. That's very nice, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, the thing is that YouTube fools are clueless, and every dude that is listening right now is going, "Yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about." I don't know if the girls that listen, they probably also know. Well, they may not know about the strip club guy, unless they're strip strippers themselves, and then they would know about that. But are you are you pandering to the YouTube audience? I'm pandering to the stripper audience. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not pandering at all. I don't. I'll tell you how little I'm pandering. I the episode went up on YouTube, and there is four listens on it. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Well, we have like several thousand d- downloads on the regular thing, but I didn't really. Yeah, maybe it's not worth. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I didn't really like put it out there at all. I just don't know if it's worth it to put it on YouTube. What is it that I just checked? It has eight views. What's that? Klaus, I what? just checked and has eight views. Oh, eight views! Hell yeah! I now look at that double. The thing though, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't care. It is. It is like more work, and it's a little bit pain in the butt. But if more people are like, if people would rather listen to it on YouTube, and if, or if it's gonna help us get like a bigger audience or whatever, then I'll do it. But I'm not really sure if it's even worth it. So instead of the three of us like knuckleheads trying to figure out if it's worth it or not, I thought that we would ask the audience, and I'm sure there's probably people that listen to us that are smart. Well, not that smart if they're listening to us, but you know, smarter than us. It shouldn't be difficult. They should tell us: Is it worth it to put it on YouTube at all? Do you want to? Hear it on YouTube. What? What do you, do you even know? What YouTube is? Info at speedmetalcycling.com, and I promise I'll actually check the email for the first time in like six months. Yeah, by all means, it would be good to have their input. Although I would say the numbers so far do not lie, and maybe have our input as well. Yeah, exactly. No, no. I mean, I mean, they, they the name. Like I said, I didn't even tell anybody that uh, that it was up. Which means that those eight listens, one of them is probably mine when I tested it. And then the other seven are people that probably did a search for something like speed metal music. And then they clicked on it expecting like anthrax or something. So And then six of them are bots trying to find copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I'll put it out there and see if like whatever our listeners I'll you know, I I, I, I want to know because I don't and I have no idea who to ask because there, there is a lot of people that claim to be new media experts, which I hate that term new media, but then you go and ask them something. Because it's not that new. Yeah, well, that's true too. And you go and ask them and they either want to charge you a shitload of money to tell you what Twitter is or they have no idea anything about podcasting on podcasts or anything. And I'm just like, uh, whatever, dude, I don't. So, all right. So that's that's what I wanted to uh, say first. Um, next on the awesome agenda that I actually scribbled down on this awesome notebook, I wanted to talk about April Fool's jokes. <laughs> Did you see the cycling-related yep. April Fool's no. jokes out there? 
Mike, you giggled. Did you remember? Did you see one? I didn't. Oh, really? Uh, Chris Froome put that uh, his wife was pregnant, or his wife sent him a tweet or a text or something with a um, pregnancy test positive, whatever, and he was like freaking out, and then he found out that she wasn't pregnant. But the best one was the Daniel Lloyd thing. You guys didn't hear about this? The Daniel. No. Oh my God! It was brilliant. He put a video out on uh, GCN or whatever it's called. Oh my God! Hold on a second, dude. My wife is the best. Thank you, baby. She just brought me in milk and cookies. <laughs> what? No shit. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Are you dude. eight years old? <laughs> This is delicious. It's um, they're peanut, um, not not peanut, but um, a chocolate chip with um, walnuts, like this you just made, and and a glass of milk, dude. Man, you're gonna fall asleep halfway through the podcast. I'm I'm ready my PJs, yo. No, I'm not actually, but okay. Daniel Lloyd put a video on GCN, you know the global cycling Mm -hmm. network or whatever. Like, basically thanking everybody from, from GCN for believing in him for all those years and whatever. And he says, like, but, you know, ever since last year, they, he had been talking to the people in uh, Dimension Data about maybe coming back and becoming a, a pro again. And he was there to announce that he had signed with them. And he, he was wearing the full kit and the whole thing. So I was like, what? Jumped on Twitter and the team was like, we want to welcome Daniel Lloyd. The whole thing. The whole thing was like everybody was in on it. It was really good. So really good. what's weird about a sport like cycling, which cuts across different countries, is that April Fool's is not an internationally known thing. For example, in Colombia, the equivalent is uh, December 28th, I think. Yeah, December 28th. So there's people that are like, oh, wait, that didn't happen, and that, you know, then you tell them, and they're like, oh, what is, what? I don't even know what that is. Like, why are you doing this? I was thinking about doing a similar thing on December 28th where I announced that I got signed to Dimension Data. Exactly, and then people go, oh, no, okay, I I don't understand. Even if I did that on April Fool's, it still wouldn't matter, but I thought... Like, Mike, what if I sent you a text saying that I was pregnant and it was on March 18th. Would you think it was funny? No, I think there was something wrong with you. <laughs> well, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, remember? He gets pregnant. <laughs> mm. These cookies are so good, dude. Mm. We don't even know. Uh, Mike, are you having cookies? Do we all not. have cookies? What? I only have water. Oh, I have cookies and, and a glass of milk. Ah, so good. So delicious. Maybe if enough people ask, I'll tweet out my wife's recipe for chocolate chips. Oh, yeah. Do that. Good idea. They are amazing. You know, as you go from oven to oven, the (laughs) temperatures and the times change. Certain ovens heat different ways, stuff, whatever. So when we first moved into this house, um, she had a little bit of a hard time baking her cookies, cakes, um, pizza, you know, anything in the oven, of course. But uh, she finally figured it out for the cookies, and oh god! Woo. All you need to do is to get one of those thermometers oh, yeah. that sits inside, and where yeah. you just get the temperature. Yeah, she has that. But it's not only about the temperature, but about 
which side heats first and the most, the bottom one or the top one. So you have to like try things in different um, things and then you have different cookie sheets. I, it's, it's, it's a science, man. It's a whole thing. I didn't want to know uh, about it, but... When, when Nate King was living in Manizales, Nate, if you're listening to... You remember this because it was very funny. He wanted to make a chocolate chip cookie because he couldn't find any. And then the oven in the little apartment that he they, that he was staying in wasn't working, so he had to make it like in a frying pan. <laughs> he basically had to like make a stovetop cookie. <laughs> like it was somewhere between a quiche and a chocolate chip cookie, but that's how hard up he was for cookies. Uh, they don't have chocolate chip cookies in, in Manizales? I think he wasn't looking in the right place. I think if you go to Caruja or something, they, um, they carry so some, too. for yeah. sure. And you know how I know that there's chocolate chip cookies in Colombia, Mike? Oh, yeah, yeah Klaus. Please tell Mike. When the maybe first, second brand of chocolate chip cookies ever released in the country was, uh, was um, released, whatever, I was in the commercial. <laughs> Really? Yes, he was. There's, oh, there's video as well. Is it Chips Ahoy? Um, no, it's some knockoff. <laughs> El Chips Ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's why I know because you're cookies. How, uh, you're still getting royalties from that? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. The, the cookie dollars keep rolling in all these years after. Um... I have the video, Mike. Put it I, on YouTube. I've been thinking about putting it on YouTube and just oh. keep, keeping it private, you know, with a little password. One, yeah. One, two, three. How do you have it? How do I know what? How do I have it? Yeah. Oh, did I give it? Uh, I guess. I don't know. I know I have it. Is it on a Betamax? Jeez, because it took like it took like eight years to hunt it down, and actually, it was a uh, on a VHS on a company that buys and keeps old TV broadcasts from Columbia, you have to go and pay cash and they'll give you the VHS tape. People think for real. Um, Very weird. Yeah, this was also like 10 years ago that you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I have it. I have it, Mike. I'll, I'll share it. Right. I'll put it on YouTube and everybody well, can share it. it. Klaus, it's your, it's your debut as an actor, man, as a thespian. There's a reason why it should be kept under wraps. Because <laughs> you don't want to influence the voting for the next 15 or 16 years of the Oscars. And hey, that's yeah, a pretty yeah, good job you did there, but not as good as Klaus with them cookies. <laughs> See, this is why we only have like eight uh, views on YouTube. Because it, this I mean, is... Because you're, no, because you're refusing to allow us to put it on. Dude, if we, had, if we put it on... 350,000 hits like that. Everybody's like, whoa, Klaus's commercial when he was a little kid. Let's do it. Man. And tell me, how many years has it been, and do you still remember your lines? Well, I do. I do. Uh, okay. Remember at least one of my lines. so funny that there's people in my life that make me repeat it. Because <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. Okay, ridiculous. So, speaking of ridiculous. Edit all this up. No, I'm actually going to cut it. And then put it on twice. So we're about to restart right now, and then that will get us to half an hour of the podcast. Hey, no, listen, guys. I don't know if you guys knew this, but um, it was the Tour of Flanders this weekend. And it's my yeah. favorite race of the year. Who called it? 
Nobody did. What? Not a single person. I didn't person. hear you. I thought you said nobody. No, nobody. Oh, well, you did. Yes. That's right. You did email your... Yes, yes, yes. You, you, you got it. Yeah, Klaus and I both had Cancellara. Yeah. Um, but the Tour of Flanders became my favorite race. Excuse me. Uh, probably around 2008 or so. 2009. Up until then, it was a good race, whatever. But I really, really fell in love with it. And I started watching like older versions and stuff. And I went all the way back to the 80s and... Just I just fell in love with the race, and then they changed it a little bit, you know, a couple of years ago. Remember, they added that little stupid loop at the end, and it, it lost a little bit for me, and now Peter Zagan wins it, and now that I'm not, that's it. I don't want to ever watch that race again. I'm You're done. boycotting it. Mm-hmm. And it's so- every, everybody else, from the Flanders Classics people to the ASO to the UCI to the... ASP to the NWA, all those people, everybody should realize that if Peter Sagan wins your race, I'm boycotting it. So you better make sure that he doesn't. Well, that you're going to boycott in the race is soiled. So I want to tell you that Peter Sagan has a long career ahead of him and he <laughs> might be about to soil and ruin a lot of things for you. He's also the world champion. Which is why I know. I'm never watching the world championship. I don't care. I'm never, I'm never attending another world championship. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. I'm done with it. And especially like like going to Flanders and then seeing the race there and like the whole it was just it's just I had such an attachment to that to that race, but it's like the girlfriend that cheats on you. You know, you have an attachment to her and then you see it with another man's member in her mouth and you just don't want to deal with it anymore. You know? That's that's how I feel. It's going to be a long 10 years. Yeah. Not if he dies before that happens. Is that, was that a threat? <laughs> no, it was just a simple sentence. There's a lot of motorcycles around. I don't know. No, 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 no. Of course, that's not true. I'm going to continue to love the race. Um, did he deserve the win? Did you? I noticed you weren't on Twitter during the race. No, I was not. You just knew. You were just like, fuck this. I'm I was doing very, it. yeah. I, I, well, two things. I really wanted to pay attention to what was going on, uh-huh. and once the attack started, basically once him and Katowski went out, I was like, oh, this tool is going to win the race. So <laughs> I was just like, I don't even want to, I, I, I have nothing to say on Twitter. I have nothing to say. Because if I make fun of him and then he wins, then I look right. at Chomp. If, if I get on there and I don't make fun of him, the, people expect me, people expect too much from me, Mike. There's too much pressure on me to be funny. There's a lot of pressure, I know. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, I didn't listen to the podcast. What did you guys? Who did you guys pick? We both picked Cancellara. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I said I wish Tom Bonin would win because I knew it was ridiculous. But wouldn't it be cool if he had won? That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, yeah that would have been. I mean, actually, it wouldn't have been awesome if anybody else would have won. Anybody else? Truly, anybody else? Seth Van Mark would have been awesome. Cancellara would have been awesome. Kiatowski would have been awesome. It doesn't matter who it is. Anybody else would have been awesome, except for him. But Peter Sagan's ponytail was really cool. Oh, Jesus. Uh, His little... 
Yeah, when people back, are like, well, how, how, come you, uh, how come you hate Peter Sagan? And I'm always trying to explain to them, well, I think he's a douche because of this and because of that. Now I'm just going to be like, because he has a ponytail. Like, he's, it's not even a ponytail. It's a little bun. It's a little man bun. A little back. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Oh, he just annoys me to no end. However, it was a good race. I mean, it, it really was a good race. He was obviously the strongest person. Obviously, Ketoski couldn't stay with him. Van Mark couldn't, and, and Fabian Cancellara couldn't catch up with him, so he obviously was definitely the strongest. Um, overall, the, the, the action got, got going a little late for my taste. Uh, I wish there would have been a, a, a group of maybe 10, 12 guys, maybe 15K before that um, the attack that... that Katowski and, and Sagan did, but it wasn't a bad race. I think that even, you know, towards the end, I, you know, when everybody had already given up on Cancellara catching him, I thought maybe there was a chance that he he could have, so it, it kept it interesting basically all the way until the end. I mean, all the way to the last 2K. It was uh, it was still kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I like the race, even, even, even though um, Peter Sagan won it. It was fun to watch. I mean, I was, you know, I was rooting for him because I don't hate him as much as you do. <laughs> um, but were you rooting for Cancellara, though? I, I don't, I've, you know, I've had enough with him. Isn't he retiring? He's re- this is his last year. And here's the so, thing, too. If he's going to, if, if, if Peter Sagan is going to be like, oh, like, oh, I want to talk about uh, refugees in Europe and try to be like a nice guy. You know what the awesome, super gentlemanly thing to do would have been when he was on the, on, on the podium? To let Cancellara win. No. <laughs> no, of course not let Cancellara win. Just slow down and toy with him. That would have been funny. Like, let him think he had a chance. Yeah, that's old man. No. Get on the podium, receive your thing, whatever, whatever. And then when, the photo, when it's photo time, step down to Cancellara's spot and, ch- and switch and have him be on top and be like, this is the man. And pinch his butt. You can't do that. It's been his, and then just about yeah. It's been his race for this long. That's the kind of shit I would do. You can't do that. That's a breach of protocol. I breach of protocol. He's gigantic. Hey, you know what's a breach of protocol? Grabbing a woman's behind. That's not only a Listen, breach of. Fair enough. Fair that's enough. a breach of conduct and illegal. That's a like, uh, Remember, you're not supposed to touch the queen. You're not supposed to shake the queen's hand. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> don't shake the queen's hand. Don't grab the girl's butt. Don't switch spots. In the Keep your podium spot. Do not change. Do you remember years ago at Inner Bike, Speedplay had uh, the low torso of a mannequin, like showing the pedals or whatever, and it, everyone was laughing, and it was this gigantic butt. Apparently, it was a mold based on Cancellara's lower, like his legs and butt. <laughs> You remember this? I'm very glad that I don't remember. No. Was he ride speed plays? Yeah, that's, huh. I guess he did at the time. No wonder he didn't win. You hate speed plays too? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I don't hate speed play. I I owned speed plays for a while, but then I got rid of them. That's all. I just they, they didn't really work for me. That's all. I mean, I have my issues with them, but it's not like I hate the brand or anything. No. I don't want to like uh, say anything bad against any potential sponsors. I love. That's the only thing that's keeping them from sponsoring. That's the only thing that is keeping them from sponsoring us is me saying, me, me. I haven't said that I love my speed plays for the year that I have. Okay, it was a lo- long race. Nothing else you guys want to say about it? 
Arnold DeMar crashing Greg out. Greg Van Avermaet broke his collarbone. Greg Van Avermaet breaking his collarbone and crying, and then I was like, is he crying because he's uh, in pain, or is he crying because he can't like, win anymore, or is he crying both. because no party Roubaix? What's going on? I thought he was touching. Yeah. Everything at once. I also thought, there was a guy with a big red mohawk on the side of the road taking pictures that I saw at one point. That was pretty funny. I thought that he was Greg Van Avermaet crying was very touching. I also thought that the mechanic that was helping him was very touching him. <laughs> no? Okay. Now, so, I heard... Okay, go ahead. I, I heard, though, that a BMC mechanic got hit by an ethics quick-step car, right? I, I heard about it on Twitter, and then I didn't hear about it again at all. And I haven't read anything about it. How badly hurt? I don't know. I have no idea. That's all I heard was... BMC decimated team. Not only all the guys crash, but then the mechanic gets hit by by the ethics quick step car. That's all I heard. But then by the time I like really paid attention, started looking for that story, I couldn't find anything about it. So maybe it was just an April Fool's joke. I don't know. But in Belgium, April Fools is whatever April third or whatever. Okay, now. You guys, you, you tell me what you thought. I don't know. Mike, what did you think? I, I mean, I, I was actually, I mean, I did pick Sagan to win when you asked me to email the picks, and I yep. um, was still surprised at how strong he was. Like, I thought it was going to be a scrappy Peter Sagan finish because he's so sick of coming in second, and it was one of the more dominant rides we're going to see for a while. I, th- I mean, it was it was a pretty big win. Yeah. He looked comfortable. He looked strong. He looked like he could do whatever he wanted to do. He wasn't looking behind him. I mean, the entire race was behind him, and he was not paying any attention to what was going on. He was just on a, on a solo mission. It was, it was pretty crazy. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think the way that he dropped Kiatowski is the... I mean, I don't know how dead Kiatowski was to begin with, but if you just think of both of them basically starting as fresh as the other one was, like, he drops them like it's, it's like a rock. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Unbelievable, truly, truly unbelievable, and and he looked like it calm the whole time. He looked like he knew what he was doing. It, it was yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, I guess that's the point. It didn't it didn't look like he had all these like tactics and all these plans. It just looked like he was by far the strongest guy that day. Like, and you know, who he reminded me of Fabian Cancellara. <laughs> yeah, he did true. in in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, whatever. Um, Definitely, that's the kind of thing that Cancellara used to do. Just, just go for it in a climb, and then you. At first, it was like five seconds, and then you would blink, and it was thirty-five seconds. It, it's just unbelievable. He just pressed that little button, and the button. Yeah, you know why I know that Sagan did not have a motor in his bike because he would be too dumb to find the button to get it going. So, is the button you have but to guys, push? Seriously, though, hold on. When he won. Did you ever expect that he would pop Philly? What? That was crazy. <laughs> what was he doing? You can't do that on a road bike. Nuts. <laughs> uh, well, actually, you know the the Papa Willie thing. I saw um, Gaviria do it as well in the track world championships. He does, oh, when he does it, it's the best. <laughs> he does it. He did it one it's hand. Totally different. He did it one handed. Um, and yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's a track bike, is it? Would you think that it's probably more difficult in a track bike than on a road bike? I'm going to say it is. I, don't I have 
I don't know. Last time I popped a Willy, I was like, All nine. I'm saying is come up with a different trick. Do something else. Uh, what else? Nose wheelie. Why doesn't he uh, maybe get off yeah. his bike and then go and just grab a random woman and molest her? Get on a, get on a skateboard or something. That'd be good. It'll be like one of those longboards. It's super douchey, like, go above. No, actually, I think, no, I think Sagan would put on rollerblades. What are the boards, what are the boards that are somehow powered by something and they have something in your hand and you just Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There used to be a dude uh, where I went to school that used to carry around. (laughs) All right. He had a monkey in a backpack. (laughs) I swear. A real monkey? A real monkey in a backpack. And he was in one of those boards and just cruising around campus. (laughs) With his little dopey, they have the rubber wheels and stuff. He's like, with his little remote in his hand, with a monkey on his back. (laughs) Have you seen there's like a dude on YouTube that built, put like a rug on top of one of those, and he just goes around cities dressed up like Aladdin? (laughs) Like he's on a flying carpet? That's racist. We got to get on YouTube. No, no. (laughs) This is what he does. I'm calling HR class. I mean, the video's... The videos are completely ridiculous. I mean, yeah, it's stupid, think? but to be in the middle of a bunch of tourists in San Francisco and he just goes by dressed up like Latin with his arms crossed, like, eh, it's pretty funny. And he's, like, what, going like up four there. inches off the ground? Well, nobody's... No, yeah, no, but that illusion. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say anywhere in the book that he was flying really high in his carpet at all times. Maybe sometimes he needed to be. Yeah, it defeats the purpose. If you're going to get stuck in traffic, it defeats the purpose of having a flying carpet. Because that's because that but is Mike, the, that is the only reason you would ever want to have a flying carpet is for traffic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a 747 could fly from New York to Europe at just like four inches off the <laughs> ocean, just as long as there's no tide. But it would get you there, and it would be flying. Yeah, Klaus. I think the physics for that don't hold water at all. No pun intended. At all. That could no, be, what? They would be flying. That, that my point happen. is flying is flying. <laughs> Especially if the 747 that we're talking about has tiny little rubber wheels underneath that are, that are um, being pulled along by a motor that has a little remote control with the pilot in his hand. But anyway. And you're dressed like a Latin. And you're dressed like a Latin, of course. Um, what about... Sepp Mark's uh, premature uh, decodification of the thing, of the decapitation of the bottle. You guys know what I'm talking about? What? You guys don't know this? What? No. Premature decapitation? No. Pre- That's not a thing. It's a pre- it's, I, I just didn't want to say premature ejaculation because it, it, it didn't ejaculate. <laughs> but he was holding the, 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 the champagne bottle. Oh, that's, yeah. And it went off way before, like, they weren't even done giving the other guys theirs. And he went off and totally caught him by surprise. And the cork went out straight right in front of his face, hit him in the cap. His hat went flying. And then the dignitary guy got all jizz all over him. That it wasn't jizz because it was, like, champagne. And then the poor model lady there with a ah, running <laughs> It's the best. You guys have to look at it. He's like, I swear this never happens. (laughs) (laughs) If you look up Seb Van Mark and just click news on Google, it has to be the first thing that comes up. What else could they possibly be saying about Seb Van Mark right now other than the fact that he had like a little 
mishap with his, uh, what do you call that thing? Champagne. An- another breach of podium etiquette. Yes. Premature. Mike, I didn't know that you felt so strongly about podium etiquette. You're like the Bernardino of the United States. Like, oh. you just tackle people and <laughs> yell at them. Yeah, just just do a search. Just do a search. And not only you guys, but everybody at home, because I'm not putting a link to this. Just do a search for Sepva Mark Champagne. And then, yeah. and then you just, it's it's the video of him just or, like. Or do a Google search for Mike Spriggs Podium Enforcer. Podium etiquette. Podium etiquette enforcer. Actually, Mike is going to be in the next time that Peter Sagan is in the on the podium. As a second, I'm sure. Mike is going to pull he's, out a huge pair of scissors and just. He's lucky he didn't kill himself. He was fucking with. He was fucking around with the cork. He he got what he deserved. I don't think that he was fucking around with the cork. I think he, he was. was. He was like, trying to loosen it, get it ready, and he looked down at it and it shot up. Into like, I mean, his no, head. he is lucky that he didn't lose an eye. Because here's how I like, know. Here's here's how, what I know about opening a bottle of champagne. Because I, you know, I mean, in college I worked at the Harvard Club in Boston. Ooh. And we had to pour champagne for for members, and you had to open it. You had to open a bottle of champagne with a with a. Um, wine towel over the top so you didn't do exactly what he did to himself or yeah, someone else or someone else of course and yeah, if, yeah. if they caught you opening a bottle of champagne without a towel over it you'd get in trouble you'd get out of the union now so, at the club though was, would the would the would the dj there be like we got some champagne coming on everybody uh, 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 uh. exactly hmm. but so i was gonna say because originally before you said this mike i was gonna ask like do you know how to open a bottle because like I, I can't even open a bottle with a cork. Like, I, the cork ends up in cover. <laughs> so I guess you're a man because you know how to do that. Yes. Because that's one of the things that you need to know how to do in life. The other one's like how to jump a car. But And then, and then at one time, the, uh, the, the, the manager of the, the bar department where I worked showed us how to do it with a saber. He took the top off with a, with a sword. <laughs> Get out! Awesome. Yeah, no, it was awesome. It was no, I've was like I've done I've done uh, flabbergasted. I've done them with spatulas before. What? Like open the uh, a fucking thing with a with a spatula. A rubber a spatula? No, with a metal spatula. It's awesome. I'll show you guys one of these days. Uh, listen though, I just looked it up. The pressure of a champagne bottle, somewhere, depending on who you ask, is somewhere between four and five atmospheres. Some of them mean six atmospheres. So that's like 90 pounds per inch. That's, I mean, you can definitely lose an eye. It's not going to make a hole in your skull, mind you, but... Mike just casually brought it that he worked at the Harvard Club but just let it linger there while he was going to college as to imply that he went to Harvard. <laughs> I what else, what else am I going to say? It wasn't a bar. It wasn't a restaurant. It was a... It was. No, no, no. I don't mind the fact that you said it, but you were like, well, I was going to college. <laughs> but did you go to Harvard? You um, went to um, BU or something. I did not go to Harvard. I did not mean to imply that I went to Harvard. In fact, I would... I was hoping that by saying I worked at the Harvard Club, it would be pretty clear that I didn't go to Harvard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. When you were working there, did you ever go into one of the classrooms and solve some of the math equations that were left on a chalkboard? <laughs> no, Klaus, he did that at MIT, yes. not at Harvard. Duh. Right. God damn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a podcast that has, employs people that worked opening champagne bottles for people that went to Harvard. <laughs> that's right. 
I'm changing the, the, the official tagline to just that. But you know what's funny? That's an impressive job in Boston at the Harvard. Like, that's impressive. I was a dishwasher in a suburban uh, convention center in Ohio around the same time. So <laughs> you went, Mike. That was a great job. Well played. I, loved it. I was 19 years old and I was serving drinks. I didn't even know. I did not know what I was doing. Oh, oh. that is a good job. Like in Boston, or I think it's, I guess it must be a state law. You can, you, at the time, you could serve alcohol even though you were underage. Yeah. And you could take sips, which I'm sure you did. I would trade, no, what I would do is I would trade uh, drinks with the kitchen staff for food. Ah. <laughs> oh, really? Smart. They wanted drinks. Yeah. So I'd pour like a huge, just like a styrofoam cup with like vodka and ice, and I'd bring it and I'd like disguise it and bring it back, and then I'd get this like is- a. A Reuben. <laughs> this is all the stuff that would happen around me at the convention center that I was not part of because no one talks to the dishwasher. And if they ever referred to me, they referred to me by what they thought was my name, which was Dimitri. <laughs> what? This, is a, this story, sucks. this story gets around quite a bit. I, I, it's one of my favorite Klaus stories. That when he used to be a dishwasher, everybody and thought that I, his name was there Dimitri. For a year and a half. And everyone just called me Dimitri. This and after Dimitri. like four times, I was yeah, actually <laughs> no. And after a few times, I was like, ah, eh, whatever. <laughs> so I was just like Dimitri. And this is a weird thing. A lot of the time, the one of the cooks had a small boombox with I swear, and this was way past their prime. Their prime, a two life crew tape on a tape player that flipped sides automatically. You know, you don't have to flip it by hand. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was like auto shuffle from the 90s but this was way past two live crews prime and it was like the edited clean version so that's what i would listen to on a loop while doing dishes and people calling me dimitri oh god it's too good it is too good i love yeah. that story i absolutely love that story Klaus, did you look up the uh seven mark almost trying almost like poking his own eye out no, 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 no. That's really I, funny. You should, I was, uh, you should definitely look it up. It's really funny. I, at first, I was looking for the Cancellara, but... <laughs> because. Um, but, um, yeah, Flanders. Anything else, either of you guys? I'm still not sold on the, on the new route, by the way. I, Why not? I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe... You know, with so much of this, I think that we try to, um, and by this I mean sports in general, I think that we try to um, over-romanticize the whole the whole thing, and I think in a way we end up shooting ourselves in the foot by doing that, because we put this... Or you mean you, sh- you shoot yourself in the hat? I sh- <laughs> you end up shooting yourself in the hat. Uh, <laughs> Because you you put these uh, these races and, and then the potential for what these races you basically expect all these moments. Oh my, sorry, I just sorry, sorry. That's a very delayed response. It's good, right? Yes, I'm sorry. You know, you know the saying about if you when you score a touchdown, pretend like you've been there before. Well. Yeah. He kind of did the opposite. He's like a monkey trying. Yeah, he's trying to get it ready, but he really, seriously could have lost an eye. Holy Christ! I'm still laughing at it's the like, fact that I'm trying to talk about like 
He's like being like this. We over romanticize the thing, and then you just burst just, into laughing. I didn't realize the version of the video I found is only 15 seconds. So I, I had like a minute to go, and it just happened very like suddenly, and it's very violent. Oh, holy crap! Okay, wow, I'm behind the time. Sorry, that you were saying that we romanticize. <laughs> yeah, that's really fun. Now I can't be serious again, but I think the problem is that we put all this pressure on these, on this, uh, on the potential for these events to just dazzle the shit out of us. So we expect every Super Bowl to be like crazy epic in the snow, you know, and like just you know the final score being like seven to six, but it's the best game football game ever, and you expect every World Cup to be like the Best final with like you. You expect every tour of Flan every tour of Flanders and every Paris Roubaix to be like the ones in your head and what you remember and how amazing they were. And <coughs> so, reality, when, when they come, head is a combination of a bunch of them. Very seldom is it one singular thing that you I saw. Mean, that yeah, exactly. Your mind. I mean, there's a, there's a million things that we could say as to why that's a dumb thing to do, but. The fact is that, I, I mean, I, I know I'm guilty of doing it, and I think that in cycling in particular, we're all guilty of doing that, that we expect everything to be so um, amazing and, 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 and spectacular. And I do that for the Tour of Flanders every year. And this year wasn't a bad race, but it left me hanging and left me wanting more and then but then last year the same thing and but then I'm like well that's because it's the new route because now they're not doing the Muir and now the other Quaramon doesn't come where it used to and and I don't know because of that I just it feels it leaves me a little empty but it may very well be that I'm just I expect the race to be perfect and when it isn't I'm looking for reasons why it isn't while in reality it could never be Perfect. Even if Cancellara would have won, even if it would have been the old circuit, I mean, without the circuits, the old route or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure exactly what it is, but I'm not sold on on the on the on the little loopy thing. I don't know. But I don't. I mean, I think the race could have played out exactly the same way uh, with a different course. I don't know that that made or makes or breaks the race. I mean, I, I do think you have sort of an amalgamation of a bunch of races and, you know, what's in your mind of this amazing, insane thing. But, um, you know, like uh, two people coming into the velodrome together at Roubaix. Or, That's yeah. way more exciting than someone soloing for the last 20K. It depends on who the guys and are. And the reality is that nothing will ever measure up to the greatest cycling race of all time. Which is that one stage of the Tour of Turkey where the guy from uh, uh, then Quickstep, that was like four years ago, where he like dropped his chain and then got back on and he almost, like, yeah. <laughs> they caught him. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. He actually I got see. off the bike, put the chain back on, and then kept going and still won. And still won. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like, personally think like the best race. The best race of all time, uh, the Paris-Roubaix, and I can't remember what year it is or who this happened to, where the plastic bag got caught in his, like, uh, 
in his uh, rear derailleur, and he couldn't get the bag out, and he lost the race because it was a plastic bag that got caught in there. In late 90s, I think. Oh, uh, Brendan Quirk, the president of Rafa North America, when I interviewed him, uh, he referred to that as like one of his favorite cycling moments of all time. I, I, I love it, too. But yeah, that, I mean, that was Flanders for me. Anything else you guys want to say about the Tour of Flanders? No, thank you. Mm. No. So, of course, the reason that we're recording this week again is the only reason is because Paris-Roubaix is this Sunday. So we have to talk Paris-Roubaix. Um, first of all, I read this morning that it's been raining so much around Roubaix and around Paris, around Campienne and, 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 and Roubaix. Around also, Paris. Somewhere around there. Um, that one of the first chunks of cobbles uh, was covered in mud, like under mud. So they were thinking about taking that out. And I am hoping that means that it's going to be a messy race. That would be a, a lot of fun. We've had, geez, I don't even know, five, six, seven years now of like some cold, some cloudy, but mostly just nice days. Um, that would be nice to see like a, just a shitty day for Roubaix. But, uh, see, but on Sunday, it's supposed to be sunny. Oh, that's right. You're going to be there, Klaus. Uh, when are you leaving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When are you leaving, Klaus? On Friday, Friday, Friday. Friday. And could you please bring a little bit of shitty weather with you? I'm gonna try. I mean, so it's gonna rain on Saturday, <clears throat> at least in Roubaix. I, I mean, it's a long race, but um, so maybe it'll be dry, but the course might be a little muddy. Even that would be better than what we've been having. Um, but there you go. That's a perfect example of in your mind, people always say, yeah. It's just like mud and crazy in the cobbles. I'm like, when was the last time there was a muddy, like what, the Hincapie one? Talk about With a romanticized the, race. There's no, more, there's no more romanticized race than Perry Roubaix. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And when, I, when we went and, and we saw it, I felt a little ripped off that, um, <laughs> that there was no, it, it was like, Dry and dusty, and I was like, "No." You're like, "I would like to speak to a manager, please." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not. I'd like my money back. This, this is not what I paid for. <laughs> it was crazy. I have such a fun, 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 fun. Game. But anyway, all right. So uh, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Johan van Sommeren. You remember Johan? Good old Johan. He won Paris Roubaix in 2011. I want to see. If you guys remember or know how much you know about Johan van Sommeren, without looking it up, I'm not going to give you guys time to even look it up. He's six five. No, not how tall he is. He proposed to his wife. He proposed you? to his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, okay, so he proposed to his girlfriend. Yeah, how old is he right now? How old is Johan van Sommeren? 30s. 32. No, 35. What? He is 30. Isn't that nuts? I was very, very, yeah. very, very surprised. Better yet, what He's team does he, what team does he ride for right now? AG two R. Yes, AG two oh. R. He started at Domo Farm Fritz and then went to Quickstep Davidemont Latexco, and then he became a pro with Relax Bodysol, then Davidemont Loro, then Garmin, Garmin Transitions, whatever, and then now it's AG two R. And the last time he won anything was. <laughs> A team time trial in the Tour of Qatar in 2012. <laughs> yeah, but his career is made because he won Roubaix. Because look at Nick Nguyen's. He won the Tour of Flanders, and now he owns a supermarket. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. Come here. Uh, you can win the Tour of Flanders too. Um, I, I just, I just. Yeah, Sunburn will open up a deli or something. I was randomly looking at uh, past winners, and I, I was like, oh yeah, Johansson van Sumer, and I was like, holy crap, he's thirty five years see, old. And that's the crazy thing. You know how sometimes people go, why do they go on a breakaway? Like it's just going to get caught anyway. And and like which those guys aren't going to win the race, and then people go. Just think about Van Summer. Yeah, I mean, Jens Vogt said it once, he said it best. He said, if you attack, your chances of winning are 2%. If you don't, there's 0%. <laughs> but see, more, more importantly, anytime you think about someone like Rigoberto Uran potentially winning the Giro, I'm like, man, I really hope he can do it. Could he really do it? I'm like, Ryder Hegedal won the Giro. Yeah. No offense. Oscar Pereiro, Oscar Pereiro won the, the Tour de France, as did Carlos Sastre. <laughs> it's doable. There's nothing special about Carlos Sastre at all. Yeah, no, just, but he's not that much of a stretch. Um, no, 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 I know. I'm Ryder Hitler, though? <laughs> Ryder Hitler. Klaus, you sound like Lance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, and no offense to any Canadians out there. No offense is meant to Canadians in general. I'm just saying, even he was amazed by that. Okay, Klaus, in order to make it up. Is that for all these races, you have like an A tier and a B tier. Because you know, like Van Summeren, you know, it's kind of an oddball win for him. Of course. Even he knew that. So much so that he proposed to a girl that he probably didn't even know that well. <laughs> no, they probably had been dating like, for He's like, this is it. This is my chance to get to get hitched. If, if I don't propose yeah. today, I'm screwed. It's all downhill from here, so I might as well just be like, hey, she looks nice. Hey, girl, I, I, come over I, here. I might be remembering it wrong, but did she not <laughs> say yes right away? That sounds about oh right, but God, I can't remember. Have. No, really? We're going to have to look that one up. I, I have a feeling she was like, let me think about it for a minute. Or, or it, it wasn't. Maybe it was just such a shock she didn't have time to react. More importantly, remember, he finished that race on a flat rear tire. Right. <clears throat> and most people will remember that's the last time anyone in that team won anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, I guess Dan Martin won like Liege West only. I'm sure there's been other wins, but it, it hasn't been a good couple of years for... And no, and it still isn't for either of the teams that involved. For Canada. For Canada. I mean, yeah. Oh, okay, so um, if we're done talking about Flanders, then um, oh, we were going to talk about Paris-Roubaix, but I wanted to also talk about Carlos Betancourt and uh, Vuelta Ciclista a La Rioja in Spain. He came in 82nd. Oof, really? Yeah, 82nd. No, he came in the bunch, though. So it's not really that bad. But oh, so Mike, Michael fine. Matthews. Michael Matthews won that. I guess... Bling! Yeah, Bling. I'm sorry. Bling Matthews uh, won that. Could you have a sparkle sound effect when you say his name? Like, like Tinkerbell or something. <laughs> <laughs> if I care enough, I would totally do it. Uh, and uh, and Al was second, I think, right? No, and I was second in the in Miguel Indurain. Oh, Indurain, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Matthews won it in 2014 and in 2016. And the guy in between... Was that other, uh, what's the name of the uh, uh, Australian guy, the tiny little dude? Um, Who sprints all weird? Yeah. Caleb Ewan. Caleb, Caleb Ewan. Caleb. Yeah. Jesus, have you seriously seen video of how he sprints? No. It's, it's unsettling. His, like, belly button is over the stem, almost. Oh, really? Oh, I know you hate me yes. bringing that up, but, uh... 
in uh, Kawaguchi Pedal, the, the, the anime show about cycling, one of the guys rides like that. His belly rests on the... That's how he sprints. It's weird. Huh. Maybe I'll tweet him. Yeah, this is... I, I, um... Yeah, I first noticed it because there was, like, a Go video from his handlebars, and you could see, like, a part of his upper chest. I'll send you guys uh, a video. To anyone that hasn't seen it, look it up on YouTube. Like, Caleb Ewan Aerodynamic Sprint Aerodynamic. You see, it's Aerodynamic truly, like, unsettling. What else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, the, in the three days of the panel, what I thought was funny is that uh, Louis Westra won it, Christoph was second, and Luchenko was third, and those were the three guys in the breakaway from, day, from the first stage. It's kind of like, why even bother racing a race where the breakaway from the first stage defined the podium already? But whatever, I'm not going to say anything about that. Nothing about that. Okay, let's go back to Paris-Roubaix. This is what matters. Paris-Roubaix. I heard from some people's Apparently, the idea of betting on stuff is not very well well understood here in the United States. And people don't really understand, like, when we talk about odds, kind of like how that translates into gambling and what that means and stuff. So I thought I would spend two seconds explaining the way that uh, I've been told is done. Um, So maybe we should do our predictions before I do this. Klaus, let's start with you. Give me your head and give me your heart. I'm going to say Jan Mark. That's <laughs> but, almost a heart but it's a and head. mind. So what, which one's your heart then? No, I'll just roll them both into that one because that's what I think could happen, but I know it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, you're going with seven Mark for both. And Mike? I'm going to say head, Cancellara. Lawsocratic. Lawsocratic. <laughs> heart. Is he racing? Um, Peter Sagan, just to piss you off. That doesn't piss me off. I don't give a crap. Oh, my God. What if he does the double? My brother will jump off a building. <laughs> the podcast will be over. Yeah, it will be over. Not because I'm pissed off at the podcast, but because I'll kill myself. Uh, no, okay, so... The, here's the way that the odds are panning out for this is by the this is uh, of course uh, not things that I make up but this is like the experts are saying is this. today's episode sponsored by Bet Victor uh, no I to, I don't use Bet Victor I don't trust their odds you use this like, paddy wagon or whatever what do you use a paddy wagon no paddy power do you have to VPN through Costa Rica to place a bet on one of those sites <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what people do or how they do. I don't know. I'm just I'm doing this just for purely educational purposes. Do you use Bitcoin? For the I have used Bitcoin for wait, I know some people that have used Bitcoin before for betting, yes. Alright. But um okay, so the way that right now it, it, it's looking like it's uh, Peter Sagan has the best odds five to two, Cancellara eleven to four, Seban Mark seven to one Alexander Kristoff, 11 to 1, right? So let's say that I, I brought this up the other day, and I think it's hilarious that British people say a tenner when they refer to like 10 pounds. So let's say I'm, I'm going to put a, a tenner on Peter Sagan and he wins. That means that I would win 35 pounds. Right? It, it gives me 35 pounds, which is 
25 pounds profit. Fabian Cancellara, if I put down a tenner, gives me back 37.50. Seb Van Mark would give me 80 pounds, so Klaus, I mean that's... Why don't you bet in dollars? You carry pounds around with you? I don't carry pounds around in me, but this particular website that I'm using as an example oh, okay. <laughs> only allows me to use pounds. I when usually... you beat the entry Costa Rica into paddy wagon, you have to use pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, Costa Rica to Paddy Wagon goes Euros. This is this this particular website though uses. But this particular website is really good for this because I can actually put fake money and basically I can I can get my whole bet slip done without actually submitting it and still get what my potential results would be. So that's why I'm using mm-hmm. this specifically. Anyway, Seva Mark eighty pounds, Alexander Christoph one hundred and twenty pounds. Wow. Now if I put a tenor on Johan van Sumeren what do you think? What do you think my return would be? Uh, one million dinar. <laughs> seven thousand. Seven thousand pounds. Seventy no. Really? Seventy thousand million <laughs> Lithuanian dollars. Oh, Lithuanian dollars. No, really. How much oh. does Paddy Wagon give? Paddy Wagon would give you back uh, two thousand uh, over just over wow. two thousand pounds. It's not called, is it called Paddy? The Paddy Wagon is a racist term. No, Paddy Wagon. The place is it's called. What is it called? Oh, Jesus, it is a racist, isn't it? Paddy, how is Paddy Wagon a racist term? Because it referred to they, rounding up drunk Irish guys and throwing them in the back of a wagon. They were called Paddies, so it was called a Paddy Wagon. No, I know where the name comes from. How is that racist? Because everything is racist. <laughs> okay. No, it's called Paddy Power, right? Okay, still <laughs> racist. <laughs> The good thing about Paddy Power is that actually I don't I don't want to get into gambling things because gambling is bad. Kids, is <laughs> highly addictive. Oh, no, do you? You're not supposed to jeopardize any future sponsors. I'm, oh shit, that's right. Um, I, I'm tweeting I remain, with Matt Victor right now to try and get him to sponsor the. Program. I am absolutely neutral about uh, gambling completely. Sometimes I think it, I I don't want to say anything else about gambling. Um, yeah, so there you go. To be so. fair, I did just find there's a tour company, big fancy tour buses that give you tours of Ireland, and the company's called Paddy Wagon, and they have a bus called the Paddy Wagon. The most fun tour in the world. Wow. So I think I'm okay. They just gone ahead and owned it. They just adopted it. Mike, thank you so much for bringing that up. I had never thought about that. No, no, no. I mean, I knew that. I know. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Okay. So let me tell you guys here what's going to happen with my prediction then. After we went over this completely ridiculous and stupid exercise that didn't really teach anybody a goddamn thing other than the fact that maybe you can VPN through Costa Rica in order to place... (laughs) Or that Van Summeren will likely not win Perry roubaix Oh, the chances are, yeah. I can tell you this. But AG12, yeah, I, I can tell you this, though, 100%, uh, 100% certainty. I will not be placing actual bets on Perry roubaix um, except, except through BetVictor. Except through BetVictor, as okay, long as they're BetVictor.com. <laughs> I have a budget as to how much money I allow myself to put on these dumb things. And there it is. Look, I went to betvictor.com. It appears you are line. accessing our website from a prohibited location. We cannot uh, accept transactions from your jurisdiction. Mike, you're making me look bad here. I keep telling you, no, I don't use BetVictor. No, I don't use BetVictor. It would be illegal for me to use BetVictor. <laughs> <laughs> 
So there you go. See, it'd be illegal for me too. Anyway, um, yeah, so we went through that whole thing, Costa Rica VPNs. So Klaus right now has Van Mark. Mike has Cancellara. Nobody has picked Peter Sagan to win in this race. I you, did. You did with the heart, not with the head. Oh, I see. Okay. What did you pick? I, I'm that about to disclose. I'm about to disclose. What's his highest finish ever, though? Sorry, Sagan. Sagan? Uh, I have no idea. I can't even think of him being in the podium in a Paris-Roubaix, but I'm trying to picture the images of the podiums in my head. It's not like I'm actually thinking about this hard. Why don't one of you guys look it up for me while I make a crazy announcement? I this episode brought to you by Tinkoff Credit Services. <laughs> oh. Okay. My pick with my head is that Peter Sagan is going to do the double. Really? Yeah, I think that he looked way too strong. Um, if he carries that kind of form, I just don't yeah. see him. I just really... Even uh, even with the uphill cobbled sector and the mud? Yeah. The mud that, pits. Uh, yep. Actually, right. I, I, if anything, I think that helps him. Uh, Tell me about this uphill section. So... It's been on there before, right? Is it totally new? How uphill is it? Tell me. It's not really that uphill at all. Klaus, you've been there. There's no uphills in that area at all. It's not really. No, my, what's, Mike, what's Mike referring to? Like a new uh, overpass or something <laughs> new for real? Or it's are a, you totally joking? Like, no, no, no. There is a new. They added a new section. Yeah. It's like under. It's under. It's like 2K or something. Um it doesn't have it's like like Daniel's saying it's not anyone's idea of uphill it's just not flat yeah 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 uh, and it's not nowhere really that is going to be any kind of a, any kind of a, a real issue for decisive the, the, it was last in the race thing. three four years ago three years ago yeah exactly and do you even remember uh, three years ago you would remember if it was like an ups you know it's just I don't know they're just throwing some stuff in there they're uh, what is it that they say grabbing at straws Throwing at straws. <laughs> Grasping. Grasping at straws. Thank you very much. Okay, anyway. So, yeah. My head, unfortunately, says Sagan. My heart still stays with Cancellara, and I really hope that Cancellara wins. So, oh, you and I have opposite bets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, Patty Power is going to be pissed off at us, dude. Betvictor.com. Now, here's a question. If he wins <laughs> Roubaix, does it ruin Roubaix for you? <laughs> no, he didn't really ruin... I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I forget... That in reality, I don't really hate Peter Sagan that much, but like, just <laughs> you know what I mean? I get lost in this persona that I've created called the Skull Crusher, that I'm just supposed to hate this guy like so much. But anyway, whatever. Um, Likewise, Mike gets lots less lost in the persona. He's actually from South Carolina and has a brutal accent, and he does. And then he's like, "Oh right." At Boston, Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> I went to Harvard. House of Pain. Dropkick Murphy. <laughs> Mighty Mighty Boston, plaid suits, whatever. <laughs> Adam Meyerson. All, all right. Um, however, though, I would say, though, that Seb and Mark would be definitely close to my heart as well. So if it's not going to be Cancellara, I really hope that it could be Van Mark or Stivar or Terpstra or even Bonin. Somebody like that would be awesome. But I think that the way that things are right now, it looks like it's either going to be Sagan or Cancellara. So I'm going with Sagan. Is Bonin going to win anything this year? No. Nope. No, he's not winning anything. He's like 40, 40 years old. He's actually 47 years old right now. 47 years old, yeah. 
He actually just received uh, the, his first issue of the AARP magazine. <laughs> the, the Belgian the, AARP. The, the, Belgian, the Belgian AARP. It's actually called BAARP, also known as BARP. I thought it was called Top Sport AARP or Top AARP. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Poor guy. Well, dudes, unless there's anything else, unless you guys want to say anything else, tell any more dumb ideas, I mean dumb stories, or you have any dumb ideas. I just want to point out how funny I was in making references to Boston. I named all the things that are most Boston, and I put Harvard, Adam Meyerson, like as pillars of Boston. Of Boston. <laughs> Like things that people go right, right. I get, I get what he's saying. It's not funny, but I get it. Well, uh, Klaus, have a good time over there at Paris Roubaix. Tell the cobbles uh, we said hi. Uh, take some pictures Look for, for me. us. Be the guy waving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody should be on the lookout for Klaus. Uh, he'll be the guy waving at the camera. And um, can you hold up a sign that just Dimitri? <laughs> With that arrow pointing down. With an arrow pointing at you, that would be amazing. That would be great. (laughs) Please do that. When I go on on trips, I like to take uh, some snacks, uh, just food for like, oh, it's a long day. I haven't been able to get, uh, you know, something to eat or whatever. Yeah, because you're an old lady. This time, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking a granola bar and potato chips from Mexico. That I took, that I bought in a convenience store in Mexico, and I didn't eat. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to throw these out. So then I brought them, and then they've been sitting here for a long time. And now I'm going to take to eat them check the And I want to see if I don't eat them. Dude, they're from Mexico. They don't have an expiration date on them. <laughs> not because they last I forever, not, like, because they're fine. too cheap to actually print anything on the package. Just be careful. But you don't want to eat rancid potato chips. <laughs> I should show you the, the packaging has like a... Like, uh, well, it, it's a Mexican musician, like Ranchera music. Like, Mike, it's like dudes that look somewhere between a mariachi and like a, a cowboy. Uh, a cowboy. Got it. And he's like on the package. He's like there, like a Mexican pitbull. <laughs> and he's like, hey, check out these potato chips. Wow. So I'm going to be eating those at Perry Roubaix. Uh, all right, that's it. We are done talking about cycling. Um, we are going to stop recording so we can start talking about uh, porn. We will see everybody after Paris-Roubaix. Klaus, have a good one. Mike, enjoy uh, responsibly, and we'll talk to you guys later. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs> Pule, 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 pule,